Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, November 27th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, it's Cyber Monday, a look at how much the state could be losing in uncollected sales tax. Then find out why farmers are growing more Christmas trees this year in Mississippi. On Everyday Tech, hear the tech's advice for cyberspace shopping and staying safe when shopping online. And Dr. Rick DeShazo shares the doctor's orders for avoiding holiday weight gain. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi could be losing millions in state sales re- sales tax revenue because of a 1992 U.S. Supreme Court ruling. Today is Cyber Monday, and many Mississippians are expected to join millions nationwide shopping online for the holidays. But those purchases may not boost the state sales tax revenue due to the ruling. The decision requires only those retailers with a store located in the state to collect the 7% sales tax. Mississippi passed a law in 2009 regarding collecting online sales tax, but it can't be enforced because of the high court's ruling. Kathy Waterbury is associate commissioner at the State Department of Revenue. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the state does benefit from some retailers collecting the taxes voluntarily. The law is already in place that if you are making a sale um, through media-assisted means such as computer shopping, it's taxable for use tax. For those companies that have a presence in Mississippi, that means that they have a store here, and you can think of the big box stores, they're required to collect the use tax. Um, We also have a number of businesses across the U.S. that are collecting for us voluntarily. So if you are doing business with one of those companies, then they would charge you the Mississippi sales tax on your uh, receipt and collect it when they make the sale with you. If you're shopping online with these big uh, box stores, you're covered in terms of paying that tax. Yes, if they have a, a business here um, and they are you're shopping online with them, they also have an online presence as well as a physical presence with a store in Mississippi. Yes, they're required to collect the sales tax, and they would collect it from you when they make the sale with you. For those who do not collect the tax, they're exempt. Well, they are exempt in their state from, from collecting the tax because the sale is being made remotely. They are making a sale in their state and shipping it to Mississippi. It becomes subject to Mississippi use tax at that point. We already have a law in place that requires them to collect that. Um, law was actually passed in 2009 that says if you're using, if you um, have a presence in, in Mississippi because of media-assisted means, and you are offering things such as computer-assisted shopping or television shopping, you're supposed to collect the use tax. 
The problem with all of that is the enforcement because of a U.S. Supreme Court decision back in 1992 called Quill. And it says that it would be a violation of interstate commerce for us to require any business that doesn't have a location here to collect the use tax. Um, that being said, the enforcement remains a huge problem with that. Uh, fortunately, we do have a number of uh, e-retailers who are voluntarily collecting the tax for Mississippi. What do we know about how much we collect or how much we're losing? The last year we did um, the calculations on voluntary t taxpayers. Those were those not required to be here. It was $40 million uh, a year that they were paying. We do not have the number for the non-voluntary taxpayers, such as those big box stores located here that have an online presence. So for the entire online retail from remote sales, online sales, I can't give you that number because we don't have it. So we don't know how much the state is losing, but it could be potentially millions? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So there's been a number of uh, think tanks across the country who have done a, a number of surveys. And, um, the, you know, the numbers are, are huge, uh, but you don't know what goes into that and Nobody has come up with the same number, so it's really hard to p uh, pick one and who you think has got the best information. But we don't have the information because the retailers who are remote from the state don't report to us. They don't tell us how much they're shipping in the state, so we don't know. And then you said the big box stores with online shopping, they don't report either. The big box stores with online shopping that are have a business here, they do report to us. But their reporting is intermixed with a bunch of other taxpayers, and we have not gone and pulled them out and extracted them to come up with a number just for their online presence. A complicated issue. It is. It is. It's very complicated. And there's a lot of variables involved, but um, it gets back to we hope that there will be more uh, companies that will uh, begin collecting the tax for Mississippi. We are actively pursuing that. We're asking them to, to collect our tax force. We hope that they will. Do you think a lot of people know that? The thing that people need to understand is the tax is due, even if the online retailer doesn't collect it from you. You are required to report it on your uh, individual income tax return each year. So you should be keeping up with what your 7% uh, use tax was that you did not pay and report that on your income tax return. Are you finding there are people doing that? There's a few people that are doing that. We average about a quarter million dollars a year, which is not very much. It's on the income tax return. It's been on the income tax return now for over five years. A lot of people may or may not understand what it is. It's it's explained in the instructions, and again, it's a, it's a line item on the return. Hopefully, they will look at it and understand that that is something that they should uh, uh, pay if they have online sales that they're making uh, that have not been taxed. Well, Kathy Waterbury with the State Department of Revenue, we appreciate you talking about this issue with us. Thank you. You're welcome. You're very welcome. 
Bob Neal is senior economist at the University Research Center. In 2013, he estimated the amount lost in sales tax from Internet and remote sales for a study by the Secretary of State's office. Neal looked at purchases made by consumers and businesses. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier what they found. We calculated both a high estimate and a low estimate. Uh, The maximum amount we thought the state was losing at that time and the least amount they were probably losing. What we found at that time was the state was losing about $72,179,000 in sales and use taxes. That was the high estimate. And the low estimate was about $62,124,000. And the reason for that uh, difference in a high estimate and a low estimate was in the high estimate, we knew that business-to-consumer transactions, uh, the state was only seeing about a 2% compliance, but business-to-business transactions might have been seeing as little as a 75% compliance. In, in the low estimate, the business-to-consumer estimate of compliance was the same, but the business-to-business transactions uh, we felt was about 80%. So it was merely, uh, the difference between the two of them was merely uh, the five percentage point difference uh, between business to business and uh, and, uh, transactions, and that was the sole purpose for having two different estimates. Now this was, you said, in 2013, so some things have changed. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, E-commerce has continued to grow, uh, and business to, well, actually both in business to business and business to consumer transactions. Most of what you read about or see on TV or over the internet uh, speaks solely to business to consumer transactions, but uh, where the rubber really meets the road is business to business transactions, which account for 91 to 92% of all transactions that take place in e-commerce. So businesses spending money with other businesses would have even a larger impact on sales receipts. Yes, but because the Department of Revenue, the Mississippi Department of Revenue, audits uh, about 10% of all businesses in Mississippi every year, they get real good compliance on the sales and use tax that those businesses owe to Mississippi from transactions that they make over the Internet. That's why we felt like that uh, the compliance rate for businesses in Mississippi was 75 to 80 percent, whereas for businesses to consumer transactions, it was only about 2 percent. And looking at the highs and lows, those are considerable amounts of money. Well, they're enough to make a difference to state general fund revenue for sure. Thank you so much for taking your time to speak with me about this issue. Well, you're welcome. This year, Amazon agreed to start collecting sales tax. Department of Revenue's Kathy Waterbury says 30 of the 50 largest e-retailers are also collecting sales tax. Mississippi's Attorney General has joined 10 other states in asking the U.S. Supreme Court to hear a Colorado law which would require retailers without a physical presence in that state collect sales tax. In other news, there's a high demand for fresh Christmas trees in Mississippi. And as MPB's Ashley Norwood reports, farmers are raising a larger number of trees to meet that demand. Right over here, we have a tree that's uh, it's called a Portuguese cypress. On the Kaziri's Christmas tree farm in Jackson, there are 1,000 trees. Don Kaziri shows us one on his three-acre farm. Kaziri has been growing Christmas trees for 15 years. He says the families who come to choose and cut their Christmas trees make his year-round labor worthwhile. Families have been so 
happy and they like that tradition. They like the experience. We've had families that their kids have grown up and they've come back. The kids have come back. Kaziri says 200 trees are for sale on his farm. According to a recent crop report, Christmas tree farmers in Mississippi are expecting a 7% increase in sales this year versus the last two years. Dr. Stephen Dickey is with Mississippi State University. He says some weather conditions were unfavorable, but overall it was a good year for Christmas tree farmers. See, Christmas trees are kind of unusual because it's a four to five year crop. And so the inventory you're looking at is five years of inventory. And so, you know, you can lose some trees. Then you've got a year or two to make it up before you actually are selling those trees. Dickey says there are 30 Christmas tree farms in Mississippi. Ashley Norwood, MPB News. Coming up on Everyday Tech, cyberspace shopping and how to stay safe when shopping online. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Jeremy Thompson, and today we're discussing online shopping and how you can stay safe this holiday season. So, Jeremy, with more and more consumers shopping online and Cyber Monday coming up soon, hackers are adapting their methods of attack. What are some good things to remember when shopping online? So we always want to use discretion when we're shopping online, and we want to make sure that we cover a few guidelines here today as far as safety Um, making sure that you're buying a reputable product from a reputable supplier, as well as making sure that you're also getting a product that's going to be covered by some kind of warranty. So in regards to safety, you always want to make sure that you're browsing with a secure website. So if you look up there at your browser, you can see there's a little green lock next to the name of the website. That means that you're on a secure connection. That's a good first thing to check. Another thing you want to do is make sure that you're dealing with a reputable company. There are various ways that you can go online and research these companies and make sure that they are legitimate suppliers of what it is that they claim that they're supplying. As far as products go, uh, we always want to make sure that we read reviews. And you don't just want to opt for your five-star reviews because it's possible that those could be fake. So what we like to suggest is that people go in the one- to three-star range and see just exactly what it was about those products that they did not like. Uh, Typically, it can be something very small and it was given a bad rating for next to nothing. Or it could be that people say this product is a piece of junk and you don't need to buy it. And what happens is those sellers will pad that product with fake reviews to make it look better than it really is. So you always want to make sure that you're looking into that product, making sure that it's coming from a reputable supplier and also that the people that purchased it were happy with what they got. How do you know if your reviews are valid or not? So one thing you want to look for is the complaints that the people have. You may also want to look and see if those people that reviewed that product have other reviews for other products. And what were their general overall reviews? Are they just a five-star person? Do they just give five stars for everything? Typically, if they are remunerated for their services uh, in reviewing that product, they have to mention that at the bottom of the review. So that's something to take note of as well. So what are some other tips you can give consumers when shopping online? Well, a really big one that I see a lot of the time is people are using their debit cards to make purchases online. And I don't tend to recommend that simply because if your debit card gets compromised, it's more difficult for your bank account to recover from any problems that may occur due to that. That's why I recommend a credit card. However, there are also other methods available as well. You've got your PayPal, your Amazon payments, your Google wallet. Those are your uh, your 
your payment processors online, but then we've also got the ability to use disposable card numbers via a company called Privacy.com. So if you're concerned with using your card online and you want a disposable one, you can check out that app and that service and see if that might help you uh, make a more secure transaction online. So, Jeremy, with all of the online deals out there, how do you know which one is best? So, again, we like to go with the reviews. You always want to make sure that the product is reputable. However, are you receiving a discount on that product or was it marked up and then discounted? So uh, there are various um, extensions that you can get for your browser that will actually tell you what the previous price of a product was, say, on Amazon. Um, You can use that to determine if you're actually getting a discount or if they just kind of claim that you're getting a discount. So, Jeremy, we've talked about credit card safety and checking for reviews and even how to know if you're getting the best deals or not. But do you have any last thoughts for people who still are a little concerned about shopping online? So when you're putting your credit card number in that field on that website and you're hitting save or send, we really don't know where that information goes. And it's possible that there are people in between us and the company that we're doing business with that could be snooping on those transactions. So by making sure that you're dealing with a reputable site, reading reviews, and making sure that you're not using your debit card for your online purchases, you will greatly reduce your risk to online threats this Cyber Monday. We will talk more about online shopping on Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Jeremy Thompson, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Many Mississippians could gain weight this year, making the battle to lose weight and improve health outcomes more difficult. The holiday season is often filled with festive meals and sugary treats. With 36% of Mississippi adults obese and another 35% overweight, health professionals say steps should be taken to avoid adding pounds to the scale. Dr. Rick DeShazo is with the University of Mississippi Medical Center. He tells us his recommended approach to avoiding holiday weight gain and tips for losing any you might still add on. There's actually a a literature on how much weight people gain over the holidays, and usually it's an average of somewhere around six pounds, Uh, and that's not good because every time you gain weight, you reset the thermostat in your brain uh, on the new weight level and have a lot of trouble getting back to where you are. So the best approach is not to gain the weight in the first place. And there's some very simple things that you can do. Number one, you have to talk to yourself and say, I'm not going to let this happen to me this year. (laughs) Right. Because I, I think everybody by this time knows the consequences of weight gain and how guilty you feel in the new year. And when you take your shower and you have to look at yourself, you feel miserable. So it's not worth it. It's not worth it to gain weight. It's not worth it because of the way you look, the way you feel, and the numbers uh, on your laboratory data. What are some sensible ways to lose the weight you may have gained over the holidays? So holiday parties are a special problem because the foods that are are presented at holiday parties are usually made by caterers. And caterers know how to make food taste good. Well, how do they do that? High sugar, high fat, and high salt. 
So when I'm going to a holiday party, I always eat first before I go. I don't go into a holiday party with an empty stomach because I'll, I will sin eating everything, okay? So what you need to do is find those things at the holiday. Again, you can, you can sample everything on a small plate, a little portion, but load your choices with things that are not real caloric, especially fruits and vegetables. When you say you eat before you go, eat what? What should you have to eat before you indulge? I usually eat a snack, and it's usually something that is relatively filling. And my favorite thing is peanut butter, a little bit of peanut butter uh, on uh, wheat bread, and that usually is good to me. I may use a little jelly on there, and that usually is, is good because you're getting a lot of protein uh, and few calories. Because when you eat a big carbohydrate load, you release insulin, and insulin makes you even hungrier. That's why with Chinese food, especially with a lot of rice, you're starving to death two hours later because all of that white rice that you've eaten has just caused your insulin to go up and you're so hungry you're trying to eat. So what to do if you still gain weight after behaving appropriately during the holidays is also a dilemma. It's a lot easier if you don't get off your exercise and eating program over the holidays in the first place. But if you do, the most important thing is to remember, don't lose it quickly. Don't go back to your original weight quickly. Because the hormones in your brain are turned on to keep your weight at the new weight. And those stay turned on, we know, for up to a year. So if you gain three pounds over the holidays, your your brain is going to try to keep those three pounds, six pounds, ten pounds, on board. They're not going to they're not going to let you easily get away with this. And so the best thing to do is to try to lose no more than a pound a week. And most of my patients is a half pound a week. And uh, and that's by calorie restriction and exercise. But exercise is a very ineffective way to lose weight because you have to, you know, jog uh, 20 miles for one Twinkie. Uh, I mean, you have to really exercise a lot, and and that's not a practical way to control your weight. You have to do that by calorie restriction and picking uh, calories and portions like we've already discussed about the way to go If you're losing a pound a week or a half a pound a week, is that, in a sense, tricking your body? Yes. There's much lower amounts of those hormones that make you eat, like ghrelin, they have ugly names, uh, that make you want to eat or released. Uh, when you have slow weight loss than when you have rapid weight. That's why yo-yo diets don't work. I mean, what happens is you're able to go on a diet for six weeks or so. All those hormones are getting higher and higher. You get off the diet, and boy, you go right on back up. Because your body's demanding it. Right. (laughs) We are polar bears. We are constructed to hibernate if we need to. Just think about our ancestors. They were hunter-gatherers. So it was feast and famine and feast and famine. And those people who are us who survive that kind of lifestyle are the ones that could build up fat to make it through the famine to the next feast. we got a history lesson, too. Yes. Dr. Rick DeShazo, thank you so much. Thank you. 
Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.